Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, I got to tell you, I've been looking forward to this interview ever since this guy came across my desk. Um, I'm very, very um, lucky to be able to have people like this uh, join us on the podcast and, and talk to you all. And this guy is, uh, he is just a shining example of everything that an entrepreneur could want to be. He's a wonderful story of success and uh, continued into philanthropy with his company, Philanthro Investors. Please welcome to the show, guys, Mr. Ivan Ants. Thank you, Samuel. It's a pleasure to be with you and honor. And thanks to all the audience for being listening today. I, I love that you're on here. And uh, man, thank you for, for giving us the time because you've got such a wonderful story of entrepreneurship. It's like, man, I feel like there's so much to cover with you. I don't know where to start now. Obviously, you're not from America. Um, you've got quite the accent, even stronger than mine. So real quick, for the people listening at home, give us a thousand foot overview of just exactly who you are. Yes, Samuel. So I was born in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And um, I am uh, 37 years old now. And uh, when I was seven, so 30 years ago, I was born in a family with my dad owning a small business. Mm-hmm. And um, I never experienced my, my parents being employees. So I, I saw them like, you know, going through every single facet of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a small business to a medium-sized business to again to a, crashing again to a small business and going again to be in a middle-sized business and needing to needing to fire employees and needing to hire employees and needing like I saw all of that yeah and and I was seven and one of the most smart things my parents made is that with me personally is that everything that I wanted to make. They forced me, like not forced me in the bad way, but they encouraged <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They encouraged me. They encouraged me to make the money, to be creative and see how I can get the money to make it. That to, that's, to, to have it. that's exactly what I do with my kids. Like they can have anything they want. They just got to figure out how to go get it. Like mm-hmm. act actively encourage that. So it says here, at seven years old, you leased your go kart to friends. Yeah, right. so my dad, my dad, my dad gave me a go-kart. So mm-hmm. I had this idea that I wanted to use the go-kart every single day. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have gas. And my father will not be putting me gas every single day. At that time, it was like, it's like today, a kid is spending $30 a day, yeah. every single day in mm-hmm. gas. Or, you know, because I wanted to use it every day for... Five hours or so, right? Dude, if I had a if I had a gas powered go kart at seven, I I would I would probably sleep in it. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's that's the ultimate toy to a seven year old, surely. Exactly. So I need to figure out how I will make it. So I say, okay, I need to put gas. Okay, but I need to pay the gas. Mm-hmm. So I cannot lease the go kart. I wanted to lease the go kart, but I cannot lease it because I don't have gas. Mm-hmm. I am in a catch twenty two. So, <laughs> so I need to use my creativeness and 
I remember that my mom was going to a short to a small uh, you know market store like a store to buy uh, groceries close right. to my house like one block or two blocks of my house. So what I did is that I went to that store and I said, hey, you know, you know me. I come here from with my mom and so on. And I said, can you borrow me a box of candy? Mm-hmm. At, you know, and then how much it is like uh, 10 cents a candy. Okay, can you borrow me like this 100 candies? And then I will come and pay you later. I will sell them and pay you later. And the guy says, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. He gives me a box of candy and uh, and I go to my friends and I invite them to come to my, I show them the project of what I was doing and I invite them to come to a kind of picnic close to my go-kart. So if you see the go-kart, now you're going to be picnic around my go-kart and I am selling you the candies at 20 cents uh-huh. and, and I was selling the candies at 20 cents to them. And then I will, I will go and pay back the 10 cents and I made the difference and I go and I bought the gas and then now with the gas, I put the gas and then I lease it now and now I grow in my business. <laughs> That's so cool. Man, you know, I think it's a rite of passage for a lot of young kids to sell candy to make money. Um, it was one of the first things I did uh, as, as I think I was 12 maybe when I was selling candy at school because there was nowhere for kids to buy candy and they were stuck in school all day. So yeah, I would uh, I would do the same thing. But I think that's, that's super um, ingenious of a seven-year-old to have that much drive to figure out how, how to get paid because at seven, all I would have done would be eat the candy. Exactly. That's <laughs> totally correct. So then from there, Samuel, I continue developing my entrepreneur spirit, entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit. And then when I was, um, you know, multiple other ventures I did when I was uh, 12, I was um, selling, I was buying music, but I was buying uh, CDs in a low price and selling them in my school, like my 12, 13 years old and selling yeah. them in my school for higher. Like I was, you know, buying in volume. Um, you know, CDs, right? Remember the CDs? Yeah, like yeah, now, yeah. They don't, I don't know if they exist anymore. No, so. <laughs> you can't sell CDs anymore. It's all, uh, I think Napster so, ruined that. I, yeah, so I was, like, I was buying on, on bulk the most famous music, right? Yeah. Um, and then I would sell them to my friends of 12, 13 years old and I was making a difference. And that's, then, that's what it was yeah. for us. It was pirated CDs and pirated video games. And um, <laughs> so, I think, I think so, the, the, the laws expired on that though. I think we're safe. <laughs> Exactly. So when we uh, when we had uh, when I had fourteen, also I I created my own radio show. Oh yeah. And and then I created a, a marketing and advertising company, and um, and then when I was for uh, fifteen or fourteen around that, I hired my first CEO. Oh wow. Fifteen. Somehow, yeah. Somehow I understood that the entrepreneur is not the manager, that the entrepreneur is not the CEO, that that is not. So I realized that from the day number one of my entrepreneurship, not day number one, but you know, close to it. That's a massive head start. Most people fight that. Most people fight that. It took me such a long time to actually put operations staff in place at my companies instead of trying to do everything myself, you know? That's right, Samuel. and what I realized was my dad started growing when he was not doing everything himself and he put the manager of his business. Mm-hmm. And I observed that. Because I observed that, I said, oh, I will do my, the same. So my dad 
at that time had an, 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 a Jeep, right? A Jeep. Mm-hmm. So I would not be able to drive on the street because it was illegal. Right. But I say, Dad, I can drive in the mountains. And he says, yes, you're right. You can drive in the farm. You can drive in the mountain. You cannot drive in the, in the street. So I, will, I became really good on driving the Jeep, the 4x4 Jeep, in the mountain. Right. Uh, yeah, and it was an, an, an old Land Rover. And, and then I am, I am driving in the mountain, become super good at it. And then I hired the CEO, 34 years old, when I was 15. And I become friends with him. And then I hired him to organize a, a school for people to learn how to drive 4x4 in the mountain. <laughs> so you got to drive the 4x4 as much as you want. And... Back to the go-kart lesson, you found some other people to pay for your gas. Wow. Yes. That's crazy, man. No, but this, was, this became big. Like, we were doing advertising in the entire city. We were um, bringing, like, um, we got uh, one of the top banks to sponsor us. Uh, we got uh, the, pol- the police to come as clients because they wanted to learn in, in, in case, uh, you know, a thief goes into the mountain and they need hey. to pursue him, you know? That's awesome, man. And then the police know that I am driving and they let me drive in the street between mountains even that I don't have a license. <laughs> man, you just, you just found the rules of the game and went and exploited every single loophole, man. Like, really well done. It just goes to show that if there's a will to do something, you can find a way to get to pay for it. Like, too many people forget to pursue their passions because they want to pay their bills. And yet, you're right there pursuing a passion, going, "How can I use this passion to pay for my bills?" Man, like, yeah, but most people don't get that lesson until their 30s or even their 40s, to where they put the passion first and then they chase the money with that. Most people just take the job and that's it. That's what I got to do to survive. Yeah. So, I find that really, really interesting that you uh, you were build that by 15. So, what was the next step for you? What happened after that? Well, the next step after that was I went to university. I studied uh, business administration. Mm-hmm. And then I went into, I involved myself into the network marketing world. And I started oh, wow. traveling, start traveling around the, around the Latin America. Yeah. Uh, and I managed to make it to the, one of the top, top levels for Latin America in, in that uh, nutritional company. And I learned a lot. It helped me a lot because... It gave me the, the knowledge to organize events, to do presentations, to, oh, to yeah. do of course. To yeah. do a speech. I was 19 years old. I am talking like 19, 20, you know, mm-hmm. on, on that age. And um, yeah, I was traveling the world. I was expand, expanding. It expanded my mind globally. It let me think. Yeah, no doubt. It trained me to think globally. And, and I was exposed to, to trainers like uh, Jim Rohn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, all these uh, gurus, you know, personal development gurus. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That in that in that uh, that took me into that route, and yeah, and and it was just an, an amazing experience. And then I got married at 23 years old with my wife Bella, mm-hmm. who is a fiction writer. Oh, and nice. She's, uh, yeah, she's um, she's amazing. She's launching her first uh, book on, on on the on the series, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, Bella Anns. And then, you know, I, I managed with Bella and then we start going into the direction of, at that time, I was um, continue. I, I started uh, helping also my, my family with their 
with our small business in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And I start even professionalize it more. You know, I start now, my father had managers. Now I start taking his mindset to another level and saying, we need to put CEOs here, that. You need to start, tra- you know, you're almost 60. You need to start traveling all over the world with man. You need to see the world and so on. And so I put him in that position where basically he start traveling more and more because I hired professional CEOs for yeah. the company. Yeah. And give him some more peace of mind and so on, right? So that's that's basically there. And then in 2009, I started my first real estate development somewhere in Argentina. Yeah, as if you weren't doing enough, you decided to take on real estate development as well. Yeah. What was that process like for you, going from a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, to, to, to moving into the world of real estate development? How did that look? Well, it was it was a god calling, I will say, because if I hadn't done that, haven't done that, um, I I will not be like philanthropy investors will not exist today, and I you will understand why when I share with you the story. Yes, 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 yes. So in two thousand and nine, I started this first real estate development, and then in Argentina, and then I was selling lots for cash, lots for cash. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling that I was in the speculative investment world. Right, right. Like, because in one point, I had money enough to invest in the markets. And I was feeling like I was all day behind the computer selling and buying different commodities and stocks and, uh, you know, foreign exchange and cryptocurrency and so on. And I felt that that, that is what it was for me, uh, life was all day behind the computer. Right, right. And I felt depressed. And you can read my whole story in entrepreneur.com. If you search entrepreneur.com, Ivan Ant, all mm-hmm. of this story is there, like yeah. very, very detailed. But the, the main thing is that I say, it cannot be this way. All these people that are entrepreneurs and made all this money, it cannot be this way that that we that they are living their life now that they, they are in the position of as an entrepreneur making money and now they are an investor it cannot be this way where they are just all day behind the computer watching mm-hmm. numbers going up and down in the screen yeah yeah so you know i made i i i, I dropped like 50k and i went to 250k and then i went up to 500 and then went down to 250 and then went down to 100 and it was like all these up and downs and i realized <laughs> And I realized, like, no, this is not life. So I need to find something that it will make a difference. Mm-hmm. That it will not only be investing, but it will be investing with the purpose. And, um, you know, I, I was one day in my car and I was buying and selling this lot and was feeling for me the same thing that trading because, okay, I give you the lot, you give me the cash, I give you the lot, you give me the cash. It's, it's literally just a process at that point. Like, there's no fun in it. It's just whatever. It's, and, and you get numb to it. The, the, the only point is to sell another one. Like, I totally get it. You're, like, chasing yeah. this win that, well, shit, six months ago, you'd have been, like, ecstatic at, at selling all these lots, and now it's just like, well, that's just a regular Tuesday. Like exactly. I, I, to- I feel that. I feel it. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, that's that's basically the the key point, Samuel. And the, what I did is that one day I was in my car, and when I was in my car, I realized that 
something different was going to happen. And then this, uh, this guy, Andres, that was with me sitting in my car with his kids in the back, mm-hmm. he, he started looking at my lot and he says, Ivan, it's awesome, but I cannot buy a $50,000 lot. And I say, well, you know, I, why? And he says, well, because I don't have the money. And, right. and I say, well, can you get a, a loan and from the bank? And he says, no, because I missed my last credit card payment. Right. And then what happened is that the kids in that moment started yelling, you know, from the back and start not yelling, but just of happiness and say, um, daddy, 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 we want to live here. Daddy, 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 <laughs> we want to live here. Yeah. Nothing like a few kids to help you close a sale, huh? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then I say, are you sure, Andres, like you cannot do it? And he says, no, Ivan, like, can you give me help, I said? And he says, no, I cannot. I live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And then when he says that, one day, uh, well, you know, that same day, sorry, it was July 2009, and that night I go back to my house and I take a shower and I am taking a shower and God sends me this revelation, philanthro investors. Mm-hmm. And I say, God, what are you trying to tell me? Yes, Ivan, it's not only about the money, Ivan. Just there is a way you can help them. And you know, when you hear your inner voice, you know, like God talking Mm -hmm. to you, right? Mm -hmm. And I just realized and I called them in the next morning. It was a Friday. And I say, Andres, I had an idea. How much can you pay per month? Why, Ivan? And I say, just tell me. And he says, well, 250, 300 maybe, but 250 will be more comfortable. And I say, well, great. The lot is yours. How the lot is mine? Yeah, the lot is yours. You will pay me $250 a month until you finish to pay for the lot. And he started, he started like yelling of happiness and the kids and everybody and we own the lot, the, the lot and the phone drops to the, the phone like it was like his cell phone, whatever, drops to the floor of happiness and everything. And I say, well, wait a minute. There is a there is a uh, condition. So you need to come on Saturday with your family. We need to sign the land contract. And then we are going to plant a tree together with your family. And we are going to cut a green ribbon between two torches. Mm-hmm. And that happened. And then that's how housing philanthropy investing started in Argentina. Wow. Like you get to a level as an entrepreneur where the money doesn't matter nearly as much as the impact that you can have on a community. And the more impact you have, the more money you make. Have you found that's to be true? Yes, that's totally true, Samuel. The more, I always say to my friends that ask me for uh, advice on entrepreneurship, I tell them, even if you are a, a young entrepreneur or even if you are stuck as an entrepreneur, it's not going good. What you need to do is you need to, if you didn't find the, the, the purpose of why your organization exists, Mm-hmm. You need to find the purpose for an organization that enhances humanity. And then if it is really, if it is really the, the purpose is not uh, big enough mm-hmm. and you're having a lot of problems, you need to increase the purpose. You don't need to decrease it. You need to make it bigger. The more problems you have, 
you don't shrink. You just expand the purpose. Yes. So if you were, if you were say like, oh my gosh, I am having problem running this branch of New York City, just to put an example, right? Mm-hmm. And the branch is, you know, selling vitamins and vitamins are good for health, right? Mm-hmm. So the purpose is to improve health of the the Fifth Avenue between the 17 and the 42, because that's our target public. Okay. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the purpose and that this little branch has. Okay, so now I'm having a lot of travel because, you know, I'm having travels with these employees and I'm having travels is too much, this business is too much, you know, I want to quit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I've been there. Accounting and the taxes and all of that. The only solution is to increase the purpose. Yeah. Is to expand the vision. Is to increase the purpose. Is to think bigger and to think for the future. Mm-hmm. So basically, he this guy will say, Oh, you know what? These problems are too small for me. I need to now. Increase the purpose, and now we this company is going to be solving and creating health people in the entire state of New York. That's better. When you have a problem with that, Samuel, if you have a problem with that, you can even say, okay, my purpose is to solve the health issues in the world. Ah, now, now you're looking. Now you're talking. <laughs> so... That's something that I want to give to entrepreneurs. If you are starting, start with the big purpose. And you need to know this, that you need to treat the company as a game. Like if you are playing a game, you don't mm-hmm. know, like in the Xbox or whatever, you're playing a game. Yeah. You need to treat the company as a game. Instead of being playing with this um, little machine on the TV, which is nothing compared to real life, Right. you're playing with particles and with, with different characters and different personalities and different barriers and different things in real life. Yes. To accomplish a goal, to accomplish a purpose. So the biggest is the the purpose. The biggest is the vision, the purpose of a company. The biggest the challenges and the barriers will be. So you need to know that that will happen. And then when you are prepared that that will happen and you say, oh, here is another barrier. Okay, what is my strategy now? And now you treat it as a game. Yeah, like, and see, like the the thing is, like, when you compare life to a video game, the challenges that come at the end of a video game level, you got to go fight the boss, and you can't pass the level in the game until you defeat the boss. Well, it's the same in business. You can't pass that level in business until you solve that problem, until you defeat that particular boss. The only problem is, in business, you get the test first, and then you get the lesson after the test. And far too many people are scared to fail and take that test because they're not going to like the truth that that uncovers about where they're at in life and where they're at in business. And me hearing the truth um, by taking those tests and passing them has been what's allowed me to complete the level of the video game. But I love the analogy of that life is just a, a scaled up video game because if you look at it closely enough, I think you find it really is. Yeah, and let me let me share a story with you, Samuel. Please so, do, yeah. Yeah, so the same way I happened when I was, when I fall in love with my wife, with my actual wife, 
Mm-hmm. I invite her to dates during one year, and she was saying no during one year. She was saying no during one year because she was observing me and she was like looking for a guy that will really manage her for long term and they will not wanting she you know will not be wanting to just play with her for a few nights or a few weeks or that's it. Mm-hmm. So she she was rejecting me to go into a date for a year. So what do I do? I say, well, I am an entrepreneur. I need to create a different strategy. This strategy of inviting her to date is not working. Right. <laughs> so what I did is that I become friends with her dad. I become friends with her brother-in-law. I become friends with her sister. And now all of them are telling her how wonderful I am. <laughs> so you, you essentially inserted yourself into her social circles and then you validated yourself to her social circles and her circles validated you to her. Yeah. Dude, that is exactly how social media marketing works. And you just did it for a relationship. Well done, man. Well done. Take notes, guys. If, if you're single and there's a girl you're chasing, go make friends with her dad, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, it needs to be a thing that is, it needs to be a thing that is um, for real, right? Because if it's not for real, and everyone that is listening to the podcast right now should know that that type of, of business strategy, that type of, um, of a strategy to conquer my wife, you can use it for your company. You can use oh, yeah. it for your business. Like in any way, like I am trying to tell you, you don't get stuck on a strategy. You don't get stuck in, in life. You don't get stuck in a business when huge problems come. You just think bigger. Mm-hmm. You expand the purpose. You expand the vision. And then you find the strategy to just new vision and you will see how this small problem just vanish because the, now your attention is into a bigger thing. The problem is most of us don't get to that way of thinking. You know, that's, that's the critical thing is, is helping people to get around to that way of thinking. Um, most of us shrivel up and say, you know what, we don't want to do that. And ultimately what I've found is all of my success has come from doing the things I don't really want to do. You know? That's That's another thing. mm -hmm. That's another thing, which is do the things that are convenient for you, not necessarily the things that you like to do. Mm -hmm. Because if you're always doing only the things that you like, maybe are not the things that are necessary to be done, which is whatever it takes to overcome. And, you know, we we tend not to do the hard things. Um, For example, you know, eating right and working out, that that's hard but if if you want to do if you want to be fit and in shape that's the difficult thing you have to do um in business calling leads consistently and following up with leads and keeping your pipeline full and well educated and well informed that is a that's something most sales guys skip over but if you want it if you want anything you want is on the other side of hard work I, I think that's I think that's what a lot of people miss. And your version of hard work is just so much bigger than anybody else's. I have no idea currently how to think on a scale that you think. I find it very inspiring to look at the stuff you've done and know that the only difference between you and I is the thought patterns and the imagination and the 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 the, the, the mental strength and clarity in what you want to do man i think it's just absolutely amazing the amount of stuff you've achieved at still such a young age thank you samuel thank you very much and you know the the huge the the huge difference um what i want to to encourage your audience and, and i have done like you know 
a lot of, of business podcasts, and I always try to, to direct them in the, in the same direction, is that the only difference between a huge organization, a huge organization, like, you know, Amazon, Tesla, and so on, mm-hmm. versus a, a small business, is the root of that creation. And the root of that creation is the size of the thought of the originator of that creation, which is the size of the thought of the founder, like how Elon Musk thinks, how Jeff Bezos thinks. And then the amount of times and how clear he communicates that vision to his executives, his immediate executives, mm-hmm. you know, the CEO and COO and all the C-level suite. Because if that thought is small, nobody will make it bigger for him. There you like, go. No, you're exactly you're, right. And yeah. you just touched on why the majority of small businesses actually fail is because they don't have that thought about where they want to go, what they want to do. They just know they want to work for themselves. So what happens is they replace their job with a business that is just another job. They make enough to pay the bills, but that's that's because it's the only thing they set out to do. This guy on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, he is the perfect example of why you should dream. Like, you, you just are, mate. I mean, I'm speechless at the fact that you're sharing this with us. And that it just aligns with everything I've been taught. You are where you are because that's what you imagined and that's what you set out to do. Yes, and you know what, Samuel? I want to, to every single listener on your audience, I want to invite them. So they can go to ivanans.com and I will put there to anyone that goes there, I will give them the first chapter of my book that is coming up in April mm. 26, which is called uh, the Housing, Housing Philanthropy Investing. Okay, okay so, so hold up. So you've got a new book coming out on the 26th. So this this show will actually come out probably just after that. Um, okay. But we've got a new book out. So we're going to put the, uh, the links to your website and the links to buy your book into the show notes, guys. So if you do... Um, I'll remind you again at the end of the show, but uh, go and check out Ivan's new book. Um, I'll be sure to pick up a copy because I'm sure there's stuff in there that I want to read. Um, dude, talk us through for a minute. Tell us a little bit about the book and uh, what's in there, what, what somebody could hope to get from it. Okay, so this is the story that leads us to the future after that real estate development in Argentina in 2009. Mm-hmm. Because what happened in 2009 is that I was helping this family own their home, right? Right. And, and what, happened, what happened from there is that I continued developing more and more and more this idea of philanthropy investors. Yeah. And I come, my, wife, my wife comes to me one day and Bella tell me, Ivan, I think this concept that you are developing here, we need to export it to the U.S. Because everything that happens in the U.S., the world will copy. That is true. The bad yeah. and the good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then I say, Bella, I don't think you're right because the U.S. is the country of home ownership. It's the country of the American dream. Everybody, everybody in the U.S. own their home. Everybody in the U.S., you know, you know, do have the American dream and so on. And that was my understanding. But... Then what happened, Samuel, is that I researched more and I discovered that only 51% of Americans qualify for a traditional mortgage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and, and, I, and self-employed people, like we don't, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to get financing and stuff if you own your yeah. own business. And, and that's, yeah. 
it, it's difficult. You've got all the service industry people that make cash money, um, but a lot of that came with the financial regulations that came about as, as after the crash of 2008, 2009. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, it's quite a little more difficult to buy property in America than most people realize. Yes, it's, it's quite difficult. And then I continue researching, and I find out that 50,000 foreclosures are happening every single month in the U.S. Oh, without a doubt. It's probably more than that. Wow, it's probably more than that. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's what I discovered. So I say, wait a minute. On one side, the people is not getting approval. And on the other side, banks are dealing with real estate more than with numbers because mm -hmm. people is not, you know, they're losing their assets. And then yeah. municipalities and counties are having this problem with mm -hmm. abandoned properties. Yep. All of this. So I say, Bella, you are right. And then I launched my company, my Florida company that was born in 2014, Equity and Health Inc., growing your capital while helping families own their homes. Right. And that's my housing philanthropy investing venture, which started in 2009 in Argentina, and then it was translated to the U.S. in 2014. Mm -hmm. And just to give you, an, you know, in a nutshell, we have right now more than $50 million from philanthropy investors, housing philanthropy investors that have supported families in the U.S. to own their home, being mm -hmm. a philanthropic private lender, not treating the families as numbers, but treating the families as families. And this whole concept, the, the whole 50 plus million dollars in average has produced 21% of equity gain for our philanthropy investors mm -hmm. and 11% um, for you know, in, in cap rate a year. I mean, so, can't argue with that. Back, back it up by real estate. Mm -hmm. And then we are helping the families walk into the, I will not, you know, give you the, the, the details on it because they will learn it in my book. And the first chapter of the book is available in ivanance.com for free. So you just right. go to ivanance.com and you can download. But the main, the main thing is that the families walk into the house with, 20 to 30% of equity in day number one with only one to $2,000 of down payment. And that's wow. the philanthropic part. Yeah. While they are then, after that, they are paying $500 in, in average per month mm -hmm. of principal and interest. It's 585 actually, plus taxes and insurance and, and property taxes and insurance, right? And then, you know, they live in their own home for $700 a month. And then now they have proud of ownership. Yeah. So we have done this for almost uh, 600 families wow. in the company. And now the system is so strong that it's ready to just boom and do it for 500 families a year, which is my goal um, for, uh, for 2022. And then we're going to expand from there to help 10,000 families by 2025. Dude, that's a badass goal, man. We should actually uh, we should connect after the podcast. Um, I own a real estate company. Um, I do a lot of real estate stuff. So, uh, yeah, we should connect after the show. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, love yeah. that. I love that goal. That's that. That's great. Um, exactly. Wow. Yes. So and our philanthropy investors, Samuel, are in 14 countries of the world, mm -hmm. but they are supporting families in the U.S. And um, this company became the, the Inc. 500 company for three years in a row so far, and in the position number 83 of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. in 2020. And then uh, we now uh, are reaching. Uh, we reached the number three fastest growing or number two fastest growing company of all Florida 
Oh, wow. I'm the number and the number three fastest growing company of real estate in the entire um, in the entire U.S. That's incredible. All from having the right vision and all from setting out to say, how can I serve these people? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's I, totally correct. And I, then what happens? Yes, yes. That's that's the story there. And they will find out in the book. They will find out more about, for example, a nice concept that I discovered is that. Passive income equals financial freedom mm-hmm. is not true. Why is that? Tell us about that. Okay. Something that I discovered is that when I went and I researched what freedom means, mm-hmm. freedom means freedom is not at all connected with laying down in a beach, doing nothing, and receiving a cash check every single month. Mm-hmm. That's not freedom at all. Correct. That's what it Called, that's what it's called boredom. Yes, yes. Right? They will yes. get they will get bored at some point of time. So mm-hmm. the freedom is connected with the you know like fighting for our freedom for our constitution. Let's let's go and and get our freedom. It's more connected with being engaged, having knowledge, having control, mm-hmm. being aware of your environment, having a, a purpose that you're living. So you can overcome the barriers. It's not being laying down in a beach at all. So I yeah, I completely it. agree. I completely you see? agree. Yes. So because listen, what can happen, and this, they will learn about this in the book and more detail and so on. But see what it can happen. What it can happen is that they give the money to someone to mm-hmm. invest for them, and yeah. they are not engaged. I have a concept in, in equity and health that they call uh, being the CEO of your portfolio mm-hmm. and making the key material decisions. So. Because if you give the money to someone and and you say, hey, here is $100,000, please invest it for me and do whatever you want, etc., and then report me. If that person then lose the money, then all that you have to do, only the only option that you have to say is blaming that person. Correct. Which blaming others is low level of responsibility. Oh, yeah. And low yeah. level of responsibility is low level of happiness. It's Correct. Is equal to low level of responsibility, low level of happiness. Mm-hmm. So now I say, no, 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 no. The philanthropy investors need to be engaged emotionally. And that's why a philanthropy investor is someone who invests their time and money to promote human welfare, engaging emotionally while earning a financial return. It sounds like you figured out the perfect system. It really does. Um, yes. I, I get more joy from giving and serving than anything else and i also get more return on investment from giving and serving than than anything else i mean it's part of why i do this podcast it's so so much fun to to be in a position where i can actually give back and um man i i can't think of a better a better way to uh invest with purpose than the way you do it man it's it's been absolutely uh amazing to sit here and learn about you um like i feel like we could talk for another couple of hours um, but I do have to like keep the questions uh, moving and move forward. Um, man, jeez. Tell me what the future holds for Ivan Ants and uh, Philanthropy Investors, man. What's the plan coming up? We're going to do 500 houses with 500 families this year in 2022. Um, but what's your vision for the future? Okay, so something that um, I am planning for the future is that God gave me another revelation. Okay. 
And the revelation that he gave me in 2019 was that philanthropy investor was not born only to help families live in their own house. Okay. Because there is much more problems in the planet that need to be solved using the power of the philanthropy investor entity, identity, brand, knowledge, etc. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. So he pushed me to research more and more into other problems of the world. And then I researched and I found 6,000 kids die from water-related diseases every single day in the world. Wow. And I continue researching and I find out only 8% of the population in the world lives in good air quality conditions. Mm. And I continue researching. 160 million people suffer from natural disasters every year. And I continue researching. One billion tons of food is wasted every single year. At the same time, one billion people is hungry. You'd think there'd be a you'd think there'd be a, a, a logistical way to fix that, huh? Yep. Mm. And then in I continue researching. One billion illiterates in the world. And I continue researching. There is a decline of seventy percent of the animal population in the last fifty years. Mm. Man. I, you know, I can, I can continue telling you more and more, but well, I, yeah. At some point, though, at some point, you have to turn around and say, "Look, we as adult males that are in the the prime of our productivity, not only do we owe it to ourselves to make a, a buttload of money and to 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 do a, do all this fancy life that we want, sure, but we 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 need, we owe it to society." Uh, to turn around and look behind us and say, right, what problems can we take on? And what problems can we fix with the knowledge and the intellect that we've gained over the course of our lives in, in business? And I think if there was more people like you involved in, say, government projects, for example, I think that the problems that you listed off there, every single problem for, from hunger to education to housing to medical care, to air quality, it can all be solved with intelligent discourse by guys like us who really should be giving back, you know? What's one way we can get more entrepreneurs involved with a mission like the one you've got? So we, we just lost connection there for a second, but we're back, uh, we're back now on the interview. And I was just talking, Ivan, about, you know, how um, males of our age, with our status in society should be looking back uh, at people and saying how can we fix these problems how can we how can we cure these solvable issues um, you know what is what is a way that you're you're helping to attract entrepreneurs to to philanthropy investing well the how we do it is of course uh, through events through uh, conferences through uh, we have a force of philanthropy investors ambassadors Mm-hmm. And other people that we certify and qualify, we educate, and we allow them to be an ambassador for us and bring us philanthropy investors, representatives all over the world. Right. And and then um, and in that way, you know, we we have a you know a, a revenue share program that we have with our ambassadors, mm-hmm. and and that's that's basically that's basically it. And they bring us philanthropy investors from all over the world. People that is not only wanting to grow their capital, like it's not just money for money, but they really also care about the planet, the humanity, and so on, right? right. And because something that I think someone is that we need to fix this planet before we go and mess another one. 
Yeah, no doubt. Like, and and that's the that's the thing, dude. We have the intelligence to fix it. We have the resources to fix it. We are, we know how to fix it, and yet nobody does because everybody thinks it's somebody else's job. And um, I think it's actually our job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to us because if yeah. if if we don't do it, who will? Exactly. You're totally <laughs> correct. Yeah. You're totally, totally correct, Samuel. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's basically how how it works, and we should go in that direction for sure. Because I want to encourage everybody to awaken your philanthropy investor within. Because I believe that inside you there is this good guy that don't want to spend the, all the money in having five different sport cars of different brands or having. Mm-hmm three mansions or 50 watches or 50 suits or 50 or 10 um, shoes of different brands and colors. I think that inside you, there is someone that is telling you, hey, you know, sell all of that material thing and keep Mm. just one sport car, one SUV, one watch, one suit, one or two suits, one or two shoes, and one house, nice house for your family, and then philanthropy invest the balance. So you know that you're creating an amazing effect and the universe will pay you off. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. I mean, my long-term goals um, are to have a non-profit and to build education for children in, in entrepreneurship. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it, because nobody teaches this shit. They just, they turn you out of high school and they're like, right, go figure it out. And ki- kids like you that had parents to watch and that had a little bit of uh, that entrepreneur spirit within them, you figured it out from watching and learning but for a lot of kids, there's nobody to teach them. And they come out of school thinking that they're gonna go and start a business and the first business they start doesn't work because they learned on paper and they never learned in practice. And um, what I wanna do is build a nonprofit for educating kids. And it's the same thing though. I don't need 20 sports cars. I'd be quite happy with just a couple of them. But once you get to a certain level of money, it's more about what kind of impact can I have on the world? And uh, Dude, you got that, it. You got it somewhere. That's that's, that's basically it. Yes. That's my mission now. All right, my man. And and then and, and then Samuel, I took the philanthropy investor brand in 2019 and 2021 to other areas. So now we have housing philanthropy investing, water philanthropy investing, environment philanthropy investing, and we are almost there to launch wellness philanthropy investing. Water philanthropy investing is to save water in the planet mm-hmm. because we only have 20 more years of fresh water in the planet. Environment philanthropy investing is to solve the issue of 8 million tons of littering going to the oceans and the forests every single year. That's a lot. And the, and the wellness philanthropy investing is to aim for a disease-free world uh, with a very unique prevention technology, okay? But you can learn more about uh, in philanthropyinvestors.com. You can learn more. Uh, there is a short link that you can go to pi.today. And it takes you to philanthropyinvestors.com in case that you don't want to type the whole Yeah, hand. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's basically in a nutshell, you know? Well, we'll get these links up in the show notes. I have two questions that I always ask uh, the guests, and one of them you've covered fairly well. Um, but like this, this podcast is aimed at people like maybe just coming up in business, maybe definitely not as far along as you and maybe not even as far along as me. Um, and there's always lessons that entrepreneurs learn along the way. If you could give a lesson to somebody five years ago on your path, or maybe 10 years ago on your path, what's the one thing you'd want to share with an up and coming entrepreneur? Uh, 
What I want to share is that validate your team and let, you know, support your people and let your people create the company mm. that you give them the vision for. Yes. So, and just be there to support them. Sometimes it will be a resource. Sometimes it will be an ear that they need from you. Um, always be there. And just to be clear with you is that when you establish a CEO in a company, it's not like, oh, I hired my CEO and, and I am done. No, no, no. No, not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. It's not. It's a three years program. Mm -hmm. And it will take three years for you to have that CEO stable. Mm -hmm. When I'm talking like in a CEO, not of a public big corporation of a professional. No, I'm talking like when you're going from a small business with a CEO on your, on your side, on your, yeah. you know, with you. I, yeah, and, and let me share with you that for the actual company that I have the, the one in Florida, which is the housing philanthropy investing, I needed to hire one, two, three CEOs. And the third CEO is the one that now in October will make it to the third year. Mm -hmm. So you need to go through a process. It's not like an overnight thing, but you want that person on your side from day number one. Yeah. Uh, so they learn from the beginning of the organization. That's the most important employee. So what you do is that the first thing you do when you launch a company, you write your vision and you hire the CEO from day number one. And you figure out the compensation that will be fair and that he's happy for him to transition to from whatever he's doing right now to be with you full time. It doesn't need to be day number one, but maybe in the first week is five hours and the next week is 10 hours and the next month he goes up. And, you know, as the company is growing and it's yeah. full time, with the agreement that he will be full-time in a point when the company accomplished the level of, of um, income that he requires, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, letting go of that and putting it all together and actually putting somebody in that hole and stepping out was probably the most challenging thing I ever did. Um, and now I spend my time kicking myself going, shit, why didn't I do this 10 years ago, you know? And most small businesses will get to the point, they got eight or 10 employees and the owner's trying to do everything and they never grow past that point because they're afraid to delegate to an operations manager or to a CEO and everything bottlenecks on the entrepreneur. So some really sage advice there, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And man, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your, your wonderful, uh, inspiring story. So uh, my last question, and probably the most important one, you do have a new book that's just getting released. So give us the name of the book and let us know where everybody online can connect with you. Yes. Um, Housing, Philanthropy, Investing, Invest with the Purpose is the name of the book. Okay. And um, you will be able to get it on Amazon or Barnes & Nobles in um, April 26th. is the launch day, which is the the same day of my birthday. So oh, it's, wow. It's that's, launching on my birthday, yeah. That's a good call and, right there. Yes, and I want to invite you to just add me through your LinkedIn network, invite me to Facebook, just text me and say, hey, you listen to me in the small business for John, and you want to be my friend on Facebook and my social media. Um, go to my Instagram, Ivanance IG for Instagram. And then, uh, yeah, just connect with me in any way you can. Text me. I am responsive. I am personally responsive uh, to my personal Facebook, my Instagram, my LinkedIn. I have assistance and so on, but I am yeah, always yeah. supervising and answering and so on. And then, um, yeah, go to Ivanance.com if you want to go straight to, to get my, the first chapter of my book. And go to pi.today if you want to just dive in more into philanthropy investors, um, you know, education. Perfect. 
And uh, guys, I know a lot of you listeners are in Apex, and I know we've got a lot of the audience that actually have um, a little bit of money spare and are looking for a little purpose. And uh, you know, after just meeting Ivan and talking with him before the show, I uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend checking out his stuff. Ivan, thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been an absolute pleasure spending the last hour interviewing you and hanging out, man. I hope that we get many more conversations in the future, sir. Thank you, Samuel. The same. It was super pleasure. As I told you in the beginning, it was an honor. Your interview was very, very professional, as I imagine it was going to be. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> I do my best. You did it great, my friend. So have a wonderful week. All right, guys, y'all do the same. Be good. Uh, stay safe. And if you get a spare minute, run on over. Check out Ivan's stuff. We'll put all the links in the show notes um that's it for us for today be sure and tune in on wednesday when we'll have another episode of sam and kyle see what's up and uh, on friday when we'll have friday fire i'm gonna get back to work and uh, i'm actually gonna probably sneak another five minutes talking to ivan after we hit stop so uh, you'll be good stay safe and have a great week i'll see you on the next episode the small business surgeon podcast if you've made it this far you clearly like it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week the small business surgeon was recorded at texas media foundry in historic downtown Bryan, texas Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.